I want to pray, ask for God's favor. Lord, I love you and I thank you and I beg your blessings on us. We come hold, humbly to the scriptures and seek to honor them and beg by your grace, please, to find hope and encouragement to literally be more like Jesus. Praying now in his name, amen. All right. Uh, by way of review, last Sunday, Egyptian paranoia leads to abuse. By the way, that's typical of the average family. When there's fear and paranoia and, and emotions are out of control, it almost always leads to manipulation on some level, abuse and suffering, just like Israel, just like children. Um, the Egyptian ab uh, abortion mandate was engaged and there was civil disobedience by the Hebrew midwives. In Moses, there's this crisis of self. Bill Moses doesn't know who he, who he is just yet. He's trying to get his, his literally get his life together. And uh, he, he covers up his sin and tries to t hide, hide in his shame. And he flees. And we learned last Sunday that only God can forgive and cover sin. Uh, this is a real quick view of, of the area where Moses was. Let me use the pointer here. This is the area, this Actually, this whole area is really is Midian or Midian in Hebrew. And I want you to understand that Moses had to go somewhere in this region. He would cross here or perhaps here, but probably up here. He would follow the way of water here, go back up, and then have to come down. That is about 450 miles that he left. That's a long way in that culture. That's a long, long way. I'm asking for a password now. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into the scriptures. Everybody turn to Exodus chapter 2. And uh, I'm, I'm just so excited to share this. Exodus chapter 2, verse 15. So Moses has fled. He makes this long, long journey to get to Midian where he thinks he's away from his abusers, those who want to kill him. And verse 15, when Pharaoh heard about this matter, he tried to kill Moses. So make a note of that. Pharaoh's out to kill Moses, right? But Moses fled from the presence of Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters and they came to draw water and filled their troughs to water their father's flock. Local shepherds, then the shepherds came and drove them away, scared the girls away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. So evidently quite a bit of water was lost when the girls were scared and ran away. They didn't want to get beaten up. And so these, these outside shepherds got there and wanted to get some free water that they didn't have to draw. Moses confronts them, they leave, and then Moses draws water again. Then the shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and helped them and watered the flock. When they came to their father, Reuel in Hebrew, Reuel, he said, why have you come back so soon today? And they said, an Egyptian saved us from the shepherds. And what is more, he even drew water for us and watered the flock. So he said to his daughters, where is he then? Why is it that you have left the man 
behind. Invite him to have something to eat. This is an honor exchange this, of this culture. You would absolutely offer hospitality to the man that, that did this. Moses was willing to live with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses as a wife. Then she gave birth to a son and named him Gershon. For he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died. And the sons of Israel groaned because of the bondage. And they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage ascended to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel, and God took notice of them. All right, let's walk through this together and be prepared to uh, handle this with good hermeneutic. You ready? So, all right, uh, Moses flees. Uh, he gets caught. He gets ratted out about killing the Egyptian, buried him in the sand. And he flees to Midian about 400, 450 miles away. And he sits down by a well. Now the priest of Midian, by the way, the word Midian means strife, means strife. Moses' life right now is characterized by strife. Uh, you might relate to that. Life can be very, very hard. And at times, all of us have feelings where everything goes wrong, everything goes sideways, it's always complicated. Moses is there, and he goes to this place called Strife, and he sits down by a well. And these seven women, these seven daughters, we have no idea uh, who they are other than that they're seven females. And they came, they drew water, they filled their troughs, the water of the flock. Competing shepherds come to, to steal the water. Moses fights them off in some way, and then he draws water. All right, you ready? Historical context. What is interesting about... A man drawing water. What's that? Wasn't done. Wasn't done. Somebody else? It's literally the work of a female. Yeah. And by the way, a tough female. <laughs> um, when you look at what it takes to water camels or water livestock, they, they've got pitchers that might be holding easily 40 to 70 some odd pounds for one pitcher of water. And they have got to draw that repeatedly by the time you walk from the well to the trough. Hopefully the trough is close by. These gals are tough. All right. They're not little pansy girls with their American girl dolls and their little pretty bows and frillies. No. These gals are tough and they drew water. It is the work of a female in the honor shame culture of the day. It was the female that drew water. Why is Moses drawing water? That's really interesting. Why would, by the way, uh, in the honor shame world, is he being the son of Pharaoh, being adopted into Pharaoh's court? Is he high status or low status? Absolutely high. Educated at the best universities Egypt offered. Brilliant in Egyptian astronomy, their version of theology, politics, military strategy. He's one of the most educated men and uh, he's watering sheep. Or goats. Why would such a high status man stoop that low? Go that low? What's going on in Moses' heart? What do you think? Maybe they were hot. What's that? Maybe they were attractive. 
seven good, you know, men do stupid things for good-looking women. Thank you. An honest man in the room, eh? Yeah. <laughs> what else? What, what else is going on? Okay. His mama taught him, huh? <laughs> That's good, Lisa. That's really good, Lisa. How about this? What's you ready? What's that? <laughs> he was thirsty. Yeah. Good looking women. He's thirsty. Man, we are handling the scriptures so well this morning. It's great. Um, uh, what's that, dear brother? Okay, uh, getting on the level of common, hardworking people. You, you're getting at something, Rhonda. Okay, really, uh, Jen? Did he kind of have a, a protective streak? Because he killed that Egyptian that was beaten on the other Hebrew. Yeah. And now he's going to kill the Egyptian that was beaten on the other Hebrew. Interesting. And kind of protecting those women running off the shepherds. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting that in the heart of some people, they, and they can't stand to see anybody innocent or vulnerable being taken advantage of. Flies all over them. Some of you are like that. If you're in Kroger and there's some woman going off on her kids in a way that is way out of control and rude, Mary and I'm talking about, you're going to get up in her business because you don't abuse a child in Kroger when you're in the building. You're going to stop it. So, yeah, maybe there's something there. How about this? Let's enjoy this one. What does Moses' name mean? Moshi. What? Uh, isn't that interesting? He's acting out his name. Drawn from water. And what does he do? Mm -hmm. He draws water. Interesting. There's something there. When we, when our life is characterized by stress and, tra and tragedy and stuff's getting buried and stuff's getting exposed and it, it's just a mess. And we're not sure what people group we belong to. Am I Egyptian or am I Hebrew? Which one? You know, do I follow Ra, the, the principal sun god of the Egyptians? Do I worship Ra? I guarantee you Moses bowed to Ra when he was in the high court of Pharaoh. He had no choice. He had no choice. He worshiped Ra. But now that he's being chased down by God, he's worshiping Yehovah, or Yahweh, even in Hebrew, the true God, the God of the Hebrews. He's in crisis. He is transitioning. Yes, Joe. Uh, I've always been curious how how known were rulers and members of the royal families known back then? Like, what was the radius? Like, was he far enough away to where they had no idea of his upbringing? No, they, they knew exactly where he came from. And so it was a gesture of mercy that they adopted him in. Yeah. Yeah. Very well known. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Moses is in crisis. And he's trying to figure out who he is. And you know what? The beginning point of healing is when he starts to reckon with himself and he begins at his name, drawn from water. Water. Hmm. Water. 
I was drawn from water. Hey, girls, <clears throat> I'm going to draw the water for you. How's that? There's something here. <laughs> There's something here. Uh, by the way, I hope you appreciate this. God sometimes tests a man over small things, real small things. Can you draw water for seven girls in their flock? Can you do that? You think watering a flock is hard? How about watering a nation? What if God was using this to prepare Moses for a much bigger purpose? You're going to be feet. You think this flock is big, buddy? It's going to be about 1.5 to 2 million angry, frustrated, abused people known as the Hebrews who would formerly be known as Israel. And they took abuse for hundreds of years and they've had enough. They're edgy, they're cagey, they're moody, they're angry. You think it's hard to herd goats and sheep? You're going to be hurting a nation of wounded, angry people. Let's start with your name. Let's start with what your name means. And let's practice first on watering some sheep because I'm getting you ready to water a nation. Can we start small? Does that sound like something Jesus said? He who is faithful in little things can be faithful in big things, right? Huge test because the theme of water is going to be all through the Exodus. They came to their father, El, and in Hebrew, El means a friend of God. A friend of God. Yeah. And Reuel, by the way, he's also known as Jethro. Uh, the girls tell the story. Dad says, what are you doing? There's a hospitality, a hospitality honor shame thing here. Go get the guy. And we don't know who went and got him. Hey, come on. Come have dinner at our house. And the honor exchange between Reuel, the friend of God. It's interesting. The friend of God and the one who draw, who's drawn from the water has such meaning that Moses finds a safe place among the friends of God and Roel gives him his daughter Zipporah, which means bird, by the way, which means bird. And eventually she gives birth to a son and he's named Gershom. Uh, in Hebrew, the foreigner. The foreigner, the outsider. So, interesting. Moses is having to reckon with the fact that there's been a massive change in geography and there's going to be a massive change in identity and he's going from somebody who worshipped Ra to, the, to someone who's now going to worship, begin to worship Yehovah. And he still it feels the sting of being a foreigner. Now, 23 to 25 are so important. And it came about in the course of many days that the king of Egypt died. Another king of Egypt died. And the sons of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out. And their cry because of their bondage ascended to God. So watch the verbs. God heard their groaning. 
God remembered his covenant and God saw. God is a God who hears. God is a God who sees. And God is a God who can reflect and remember. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God took notice of them. One of the things that is uh, common for me to deal with on the people, uh, with the people that come to see me, therapy, is those who are believers and who's, it's the sacred kicking of the cup. We have to have it, or the anointing is not right at Christ Church. It's okay. It's just a cup noise. Um, people who see me who are Christians or who claim to be Christians struggle with God's uh, not answering their prayers. Yes, Evelyn Marco. It's a problem. And, and, and you got to appreciate this. You may be like the, the Hebrews where your pain is so deep inside of you, you groan. And you feel like you are handcuffed. You're in bondage. You are tied. And it hurts. And it... If there's a word that you can get at, you would say, it's not fair. It's not just. I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve this. And I can't get help. There's no relief in sight. And to the point it says that they cry. There are people who battle depression. And the depression is so deep. The only thing they have left to do is cry. And anxiety and bipolar and the the roller coaster of emotions and all that's going on between their ears. It's unrelenting. They can't get away from it. And they get to the place. The only thing that's left is crying. For others, the battles in their heart and in their minds are so severe. The only thing they can do is, is self-condemn. And they become their own worst enemy. Or there are people who are caught up in all kinds of sin, addictions, alcohol, didn't matter what it is, weed, uh, pornography, all kinds of sexual sin, sexual perversion, addicted to shopping, addicted to shopping. Uh, And the guilt and the shame haunts them. And they cry over the consequences, not because they feel like there's some Egyptian people kind of making them you know, do slave labor. It's, they're a slave to themselves and their own, their own impulses and greed. And either way, their lives are just as broken. Can I, can I beg you, please? God hears, God remembers, and God sees. But you've got to understand something. God didn't tell them that. <laughs> and there's the rub. God didn't say, hey, hello there. Just to let you know, I notice what's going on down there. You know, God didn't say that. They still suffer. They're still hurting. And God kept it to himself. Almost sounds cruel, doesn't it? Seems like God could have done something. A little encouragement. I know you got it hard. Sorry. When the time's right, I'm going to come down there and help. You know, he doesn't. And so a principle forms, Mary principle forms. We might be going through some of the worst stuff in our lives. 
and we feel like it's nothing but chaos. And God is more attuned to you than you realize. Did you get that? We might be in the middle of chaos and heartbreak and the worst case scenarios are playing out and you feel all alone and you feel isolated and separated and yet God sees, God hears, and God remembers. And if God, I please, please, Christ Church, if God can remember his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I promise you, he remembers his covenant with Jesus. And if Jesus is in you, he will never leave you and never forsake you at all. All right, let's walk through this. Exodus 2.15. Pharaoh tries to kill Moses. He tried to kill Moses. How about this? Moses was almost killed by an abortion policy. Then he's, Pharaoh's out to get him. And then we'll get to it. It's going to be a hard run for some of you. God is actually, God is dispatched to kill Moses. We'll get to it. It's going to be a mind bender. Uh, but you will learn wisdom from it. He flees to Midian and the place of strife. God uses strife to motivate us to seek him. To motivate us to seek out his will. Micah 2.10, arise and go for this is no place of rest because of the uncleanness that brings on destruction and painful destruction. The last place, this is a rub, the last place Moses needed to be to heal and to become a true follower of Yahweh is Egypt. Okay? (laughs) Get out of Egypt. It is an unclean place. Don't go there. I've got someplace very special. It's not far from Midian. There you will discover the true living God. So Moses waters the flock. He begins at the place of discovering his name, remembering the meaning of his name, and how God is preparing him for some very, very important things. Joachim, the friend of God, Reuel, the dinner engagement, the meal, the bonding, and then he is now uh, married and has, has a son, Gershom. I want you to see Exodus 23, 2. You shall not follow the crowd in doing evil. First uh, Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. We can't, we can't be in Egypt and try to be followers of God. You can't have an Egyptian culture, an Egyptian religious framework and try to claim to be a follower of Jesus. You've got to make up your mind. You enter, you're out. What's it going to be? And the fact is, we can't be having, you know, sitting at the table uh, of, at a dinner table that Jesus would flip, that he himself would turn out. You can't, there's friendships you cannot have. You've got to get away from unclean places and unclean people. God hears and sees even when we don't think he does. God's preparing a man and a nation to become his people. Suffering gets their attention. God always hears. What is God preparing us to do? Christ Church, you've been taught well this morning and you've engaged well. Thank you. How do we live this out? Let's pull it out of that amazing culture, Egyptian culture. We're now in the Middle East and you heard the story of Moses at this point. How do we pull it into our world today so that we are on the path of healing? We are on the path of understanding God's will for our lives 
and learning what it means to be a true worshiper of God. Questions, speak from your gifts. How do we live out Exodus 2, 15 to 25? That's good, Carolyn. Uh, Carolyn, I put you on the spot, pop quiz. Um, if these seven women were honorable women and a stranger draws water for them, would you take that water? Would you? No? Why? Trap. You have no idea what this guy's up to. And so there was something about Moses and they trusted and they accepted the water from the stranger. Does that remind you of another story in the New Testament, John's Gospel? A woman at a well, trusting a stranger for the living water? Absolutely. This is a foreshadowing of Jesus. Thank you, Carolyn. Thank you. Someone else. Edie, yes, thank you. So Edie, when chaos, we're surrounded by chaos and our life is full of strife and our blood pressure is up really high and we've got ulcers and we're snacking on Tums at night, nobody here would snack on Tums at night. Nobody here. Um, God's up to something. And he wants us to draw near to him as, a, as opposed to avoiding God because we fear shame. He wants us to come running. God's preparing something deep in us. And this situation is motivational, but is also preparing other people for us. Yeah. Still working. Yep. Yep. And, and he's not obligated to tell everybody his plan. Just letting you know, I'm going to put a big billboard up outside of Egypt. S- sorry, I know it's hard. Here's a list of all that I'm doing. Be encouraged. Don't, don't doubt me. God is not so insecure. God is not so insecure that he's obligated to get affirmation from his people. Nor the way we want it. Absolutely, Jenna. That's so good. So good. Chris, it's interesting to me that Moses was a murderer. 
Yeah. And yet he had God in his life, and because he had God in his life, these women at the well trusted him, or the other people that, yeah. when, when he led the Israelites out of Egypt, yeah, they followed him. And we would say, if I'm a murderer, you probably need to take a back seat or not even be here. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. Yeah, Michael. I feel like we're making an assumption that Moses knew the Hebrew God at this point in his life. What's that, Mike? I think we're making an assumption that Moses knew the Hebrew God at this point in his life. Yeah. And I'm not sure that there's truth in that. Yeah, I, I don't. I think there's hints because he's hanging out with some Hebrews. Yeah, but it's, he's he's culturally Egyptian. Well, and I'm not even sure the Midianites were Hebrew. No, no, they're not. Right, so he's marrying into a family the priest of a pagan god, coming from Pharaoh's chamber, which is surrounded by pagan gods. I don't think Moses knows that, and okay. I think that yeah. what's really important about that. Is God can use events in our lives from before we know Him? Yes. Yes. To work on His mission later. In yeah. Our yeah. What's interesting, Michael? Something that's interesting is that Reuel, the friend of God, also known as Jethro, becomes one of God's choice advisors for Moses. Right. I, I in in the future, in the next number of years out. The, the Hebrew language was developed through the Hebrew people, and so. Midian might mean strife, but it maybe didn't mean that when Moses was in it. Say that the last part. Might mean strife, but. Right. terms, Jethro and Midian. And right, Jethro, right, right. Those probably were assigned mid, like, the meaning of those words probably came from the actions of the people. Right? Like yes. Slang is developed based on what people attribute to the word, sure. not what the word originally meant. Yes. And, and given the time period of Hebrew culture, it's more likely that. Moses was in strife, that's why it was known as strife. Yes. Not, it was strife, that's why it was. Yes, copy. Now, by the way, who wrote the book of Exodus? Moses. Moses wrote the first five books. And so he's writing after the fact. Absolutely. That, that's really good, Michael. Thank you very much. Two to three years. It depends. Yeah. He had his mother who did know. Yeah. And so it becomes that when you train a child in the way he should go. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that even though he was educated Egyptian and yeah, yeah. knew that, that, that seed had been planted. Sure, sure. Yeah, and the fact is we just don't know. It, it doesn't plainly say that he, he went through Hebrew school. You know, and at the age of 18, we don't have it. We don't have it. Culturally, certainly Egyptian, certainly uh, trained to worship Ra and the, the, the god of the Pharaoh. Yes. Uh, all on question um, says, does God ever change his mind? And then a comment on that was, God was always intending to rescue Israel, but it takes Israel's groaning to stir him to, stir him to action. A uh, fantastic question, challenging question, and the answer is complicated. First, uh, when you describe an act of God, a behavior, an action of God, 
you are bound to use language that would be descriptive of a human. Like God hears, God sees, God moves, God walks about. God doesn't have legs like a man nor ears like a man, but you have to say things like that to communicate how God is acting. Therefore, we do that when we say, did God change his mind? Because in Torah, the first five books, it does say God regretted his decision. Yes, God changed his mind, yes. So there's actually several examples in the scripture where human language is used to describe an act of God as though God is changing his mind or as though God has regrets. That's number one. Number two, no. We move away from human language to to simply say God is not capricious. He doesn't make willy-nilly decisions. And he doesn't go, oops, never saw that one coming. Oh, man, Um, I guess I'm going to do this now. That is not what God does. We do that. God does not. Uh, But it's using human language to describe uh, God handling a contingency. All right, somebody else. Janice? Well, when you're talking about God changing his mind, I think sometimes he might delay his judgment or there's a condition. Unless you do this, this will happen. That's good, Janice. And we're going to get to that maybe next Sunday about how God seeks Moses to kill him. Yes. Read ahead. It's amazing. Somebody else? Okay. All right. Um, I want you to turn to Ephesians. I want you to see this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast or brag. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Therefore, remember that previously you, the Gentiles in the flesh, non-Jews who are called uncircumcision by the so-called Jewish group known as the circumcised group, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. Excluded, You're a Gentile. You're on the outside from the people of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, Jesus, you who were previously, previously you were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Abolishing in his flesh the hostility, which is the law composed of commandments expressed in ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two one new person, in this way established in peace. 
Christ Church, you cannot know peace outside of Jesus Christ. You cannot know peace. And it is only in Jesus that you are protected and literally covered uh, by the blood of the Lamb. Made acceptable, made safe in Jesus. So... What is God trying to accomplish in you? God trying to get your attention? Have you gone, you know, is is your stress meter up? Your blood pressure up? Frustrated with your life, your situation? God's trying to get your attention and he's going to put you with certain people to accomplish specific goals to move you toward the doing of his will. And for Moses, it started with learning how to water sheep because God's getting him ready to water a nation, a very combative, difficult, stiff-necked people. What is God doing with you? If you've never known Christ as your Savior and Lord, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works. I want you to see me after the service and I will pray with you about asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart by faith, to be forgiven, to be born again, and to start anew with your life. Christchurch, thank you. This has been so good this morning. I want to pray over us. Father, thank you. I love you. Beg your blessings and your grace now. We are setting our heart to put to words and melody our love for you. I pray that this is a fragrant aroma to you. In Jesus' name, amen.